Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Top 10 Takeaways with Josh Larkey. Oh, I have a guest for top 10 takeaways. This never happens. Till now. Feels good. We chose the right week for this. Oh, my God. I was just thinking that. I was like, man, I'm going to have Josh on for, like, the greatest week. <laughs> I mean, if it was some of these weeks, man, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the NFL much over at the 33rd team. But uh, this uh, this NFL, been, it's, been it's been a struggle. And I remember going through all the games mm -hmm. and just listing the game totals and being like, 36 and a half, 37, 39. Oh, we got one that's over 45. It's 46 and a half. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, not only just the game totals, but then the results, the, the game totals would be excruciating low. And then you'd look and you go, oh, another week where 65% of the games went under. So we we deserved this as football fans and as yeah I mean we've had well, so a couple takeaways that I've had in the last few weeks was uh, NFL defenses have started to catch up to the offenses that was one and uh, you know sort of a uh, you know, you need to adjust all your expectations need to be adjusted look at these game totals these game totals are, are not coming out of nowhere uh, this is real right this is a real thing and. It is also inevitable that there will be another adjustment where the offenses adjust again, and then we'll look up and there's going to be you know big high scoring games. Uh, it also, even if you go all the way back to the you know first couple weeks of the season, it was oh well they don't play in preseason anymore, so you can see that the, the, these are some very rusty offenses. They're not on the, on the same page clearly. Uh, so there's a, a lot of sort of a defunct plays being run until the until they can get just more game time under their belts. So now what we have is that confluence of forces where it's week 10 and NFL offenses are finally clicking on all cylinders after not really playing much in the preseason. Mm -hmm. And now they've also had time to adjust to the defensive looks they've been getting for the first two months of the year. And that's how you get week 10. I was going to say one more thing to add is that it's not just that some of these offenses are starting to fire, but I think before we go game by game, an overarching theme of the past couple weeks is the, the chasm chasm between teams that have a good NFL quarterback and teams that don't. Uh, it's just so apparent when you watch these games, there's only about eight, nine teams where you feel like they're in it at all times. 
And pretty much every other team, if you go down by two touchdowns, you can pretty much just turn the TV off. If that's the team you're rooting for, it's not going to happen. You don't have the quarterback. We'll, we'll get into a few of those teams pretty shortly. But I think that's just one thing that every year becomes increasingly important in the modern NFL is quarterback play. So these are games we're not going to talk about because why would we? Bears beat the Panthers 16-13. That's what you're talking about. Raiders beat the Jets 16-12. Oh, almost the exact. If we had two 16-13 games. So those games don't need to be discussed. There were not NFL quarterbacks on the field. I know that many wanted Bryce Young to be an NFL quarterback, but as it turns out, as of this moment, he's not one, right? He is not one. Good stat for you on Bryce Young. This, this is all I'll say about that game. Uh, Bryce Young versus Tyson Badgent. 4.9 yards per attempt. 4.9 yards per attempt. 6.8 air yards per attempt. 6.7 air yards per attempt. Badgent completed 61% of his passes. Young completed 55%. Badgent did not throw an interception. Bryce Young threw three. It's pretty unclear who the, the number one pick was and who the, the undrafted guy was. As it turns out... Uh... Tyson Badge is actually pretty good. If you're undrafted and you're starting as a rookie and you're winning some games, that is incredibly impressive. I don't care what the stat line is. And if you're the number one overall pick and your team grossly overpaid for you, including just the most egregious throw-in of a DJ Moore you'll ever see, yeah, here's an alpha receiver. I mean, the guy we're trading up to get sure could use him, but we'll just give him to you for no reason. Uh, and just an egregious overpay. Here you go. So that was uh, that was one of the grosser trades, and it's looking grosser and grosser and grosser. I remember where I was. I was on the George Washington Bridge when that trade came down. We were we were uh, on a, a back then. It was called Twitter. Twitter Spaces. We were we were talking about uh, you know trade reaction, right? Big blockbuster trade reaction with Anand and Dury. And I believe you dialed in, Billy dialed in, a bunch of people dialed in. I remember where I was talking about that trade being like, this is, this is bad. This is mismanagement, right? So, and then it uh, doesn't matter who they draft, right? This is, this is a bad trade. This sets a bad precedent for future teams looking to do this. No one should look at this as anything close to fair value. And then they got the pick wrong, which just, oh, oof, okay. So, and then we have another game. Colts played the Patriots in Germany, and I feel really bad for the Germans. The German people deserve better than this game. This was a 10-6 game where we had a backup quarterback against Mac Jones, who should not be a starting quarterback in the league. Mac Jones, I think we could say, is a future backup quarterback in the league. Mac Jones is now looking the part of the quintessential NFL backup, where if we go down the list of all the NFL backups, he's going to be a top 10 backup for the next decade. That's what Mac Jones is. Yeah, it's, it's just like uh, Bryce Young, Tyson Badgent. Who's the, the first round pick? Who's the backup quarterback between Minshew and Mac Jones? A little bit unclear in this one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's uh, Wow, that's, that's a great call. Who is better? I think Minshew's better. Minshew at yeah, least has 300-yard games in his range of outcomes. However, Mac Jones has DeMario Douglas as his number one receiver, Devontae Parker. So he's been dealing with the worst wide receiver core. He just absolutely betrayed by Bill Belichick. Hey, we could go get you George Pickens, a proper alpha. We really need an alpha. But you know what we're going to do? Uh, Tyquan Thornton, right? You, I think you were with us in Vegas when that, that pick came in. 
that was that was one of that. I remember where I was when that pick came in too. There's certain picks and certain trades that happen where I'm just like, I'm just so offended, right? My sensibilities as a person who likes to value NFL assets properly just gets absolutely offended. I will say there is a takeaway from this Colts Patriots game, and it's nothing to do with the Patriots. Other than Demario Douglas was good process. If you were streaming Demario Douglas, if you were playing him, uh, th- that was good process. And thankfully, because it was an early game, you were saved, right? If you were, if you would have been the type of person that that goes heavy on 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 that guy in DFS, you were saved uh, because uh, you know good but not great performance, like fourteen fantasy points. There were a couple of these situations where uh, someone could have wanted to go all in on a particular player, let's say that Josh Downs didn't play, right? So my speculation last week was if Josh Downs doesn't play, there's going to be a lot of DFS bros that are going hard at Alec Pierce, and they're ultimately going to be disappointed, right? Uh, But uh, Josh Downs played and saved them from that, and also that the game was played at 9.30 in Germany, so it wasn't on the main slate. So we're all fortunate Bottom line, very fortunate this game was not on the main slate. But Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman was the best trade target that we saw coming. Like with hindsight bias, you could say you a list of, of 20 guys that are great trade targets. Fine, right? But no hindsight when you know it's going to be Minshew for the rest of the season. One of the more obvious trade targets where Pittman hadn't really broken out heavily, right? Hadn't put up big numbers yet but was getting those 10 to 12 targets every week whenever Minshew played. And then in some cases was also getting the, the just, just the uh, super skewed target share, like 35, 40% in some cases, even with Anthony Richardson playing. So with Minshew back there, Minshew potentially throwing for 50 attempts any given week, Pittman was the best. Did you happen to trade for Michael Pittman at all? Yes. I, I put out some offers. I got him in one of my, one of my leagues, because it was the it was the same idea where if we know a player's talented enough and then there's this monumental offensive shift that benefits him, you should probably trade for him. I, I always like to say that we we uh, with trades you buy high and you sell low. Uh, everyone knew Michael Pittman would be better, but it's one of those things where until you actually see those bigger games, people are like, oh yeah, we'll mentally adjust up a little bit. And usually people don't mentally adjust up enough or down enough with situations like this. So, yeah, I, I think anyone that traded for Pittman is pretty happy right now. Josh Downs was a great add before the knee injury. Uh, and, uh, again, Alec Pierce being exposed as a bust and, and a total a total fake field stretcher. It just has no value whatsoever. Those are the bad games, Josh. We'll get this out of the way quickly. Jonathan Taylor, I think he's the sneaky league winner. <gasps> he's taking pretty much all the work from Zach Moss now. 18 carries and 23 carries the past two weeks. He's run 43 routes to Zach Moss's six over the past two weeks. The playoff schedule for the Colts, weeks 15 through 17. Steelers, Falcons, Raiders, Steelers and Raiders, top eight in yards per carry allowed to running backs, top eight in fantasy points allowed to running backs. And then the Falcons, even though at face value, do not look like a defense to target. We kind of know at this point it's a team in decline uh, pretty much across the board. So I, I'm very happy to have Jonathan Taylor on some teams and the ones that do, I'm expecting top three fantasy production for that final three-game stretch. And now we have great games to talk about after this. 
This episode brought to you by Mojo. Mojo is that player stock market. We love Mojo because we like making lifetime bets on players. You run out the clock on these guys. Mojo just rolled out a brand new fantasy platform. That's right. So now you can build a portfolio of player props. Oh, Jamar Chase over 77.5. Oh, Kadarius Tony under 15.5. Whatever the under is on Kadarius Tony, doesn't matter. You can just stack up the props in your portfolio. And the beauty is once the Sunday games kick off, it's not over. It's not over until it's over with Mojo because once those games kick off, you can then move in and out of positions. Let's say that you're well ahead of expectations. You can cash out. Let's say you're behind expectations. You're underwater. Well, you can double down. That's what makes Mojo so special, why they're different. Check it out. Go to the App Store. Get the Mojo app and use the promo code UNDERWORLD. The promo code UNDERWORLD gets you a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. So the promo code is UNDERWORLD, and they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Go to Mojo, start building your portfolio, and then during the games, you can be a fantasy day trader. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Chad has some ideas for us. They have some takes. They want us to talk about Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Yes, Jalen Warren looks better. That's clear. Does that matter? It's starting to matter, actually. It matters eventually. And someone else says, uh, make me love uh, Tony Pollard again. I don't think that we're capable of doing that. If you're looking for a, a rediscovery of Tony Pollard love, this is not the show. This is we're we're realists here. Unfortunately, I hate to say it. When Rico Doddle's out producing him, I hate it. I hate it so much. I just and there's nothing to. I don't have a lifeline to hold on to with Tony Pollard. We'll get into all that, but to start, let's 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 kick off with one of these epic performances. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick one. There's there's so many. I'm gonna pick one right now. Uh, Texans Bengals, Josh. Texans Bengals, what we'll do, you and I will give one takeaway from each game. I'm ready. You want me, you want me to kick it off first, or do you want to start us off? Give it to me. I, I think just in general, we'll we'll just go with uh Stroud is a fantasy elevator. I, I think mm-hmm. the the only guys that I can that come to mind would be Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers when it comes to guys that are just elevating the way that Stroud has. I remember going on record and feeling pretty confident at the start of this season when everyone was healthy and you look at the depth chart saying, I think the Houston Texans have the worst receiving core in the NFL. 
I, I think uh, anyone that disagreed with me was like, no, they're bottom five, not the worst. Nobody <laughs> out there was pounding the table for this Texans receiving core. And no. the fact that Stroud had another phenomenal performance, this time without his top receiver, Nico Collins, it kind of feels like you can just put anybody out there who's a an NFL receiver and they will produce fantasy points. It's the kind of thing that you love, especially for Dynasty, where guys like Tank Dell are just attached to this man. Hard to see Nico Collins going anywhere but staying in Texas at this point for the next few seasons as well. So you just want Texans redraft Dynasty. Uh, thank you, CJ Stroud. Yeah, when I look at this, the first thing I think is trade for Nico Collins in Dynasty. Mm-hmm. That's my first thought. Look at this. I'm like, you got to get Nico Collins, man. You got to get it. This is this is amazing. And, you know, just too bad. These games, went, they, no Higgins. It just You feel bad for for whenever you have a player like a Nico Collins or a T Higgins that is not participating in a shootout like this. It's always, it's always sad. Uh, Tank Dell, 14 targets. So it's not guaranteed that Nico is even going to be the primary option next year. It's looking more and more like it's going to be Nathaniel Dell. Doesn't matter. You want that guy. And Hey, Hey, free square wide receiver paid off in, in Noah Brown. It's rare that the free square wide receiver actually pays off, but it actually happened this time. 24 fantasy points from Noah Brown. You love to see it. On the Sonic Truth podcast, we were talking about C.J. Stroud versus Lamar Jackson versus Joe Burrow in Dynasty and how he's joined that tier. There's, no one would argue that he's joined that tier. The question is, when does he supplant these guys? So last week he supplanted Herbert. Now it's about can he supplant Burrow and Lamar? And after this performance, over 350 yards I'm on the road, what? With these receivers, with 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 a with a journeyman and Noah Brown, with a cardboard cutout replacement level move tight end in Dalton Schultz, with Nathaniel Dell, who's five five in heels, Robert Woods. Like what? Right? The, some of the dustiest and, and 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 slowest and smallest players that are on the field. <laughs> I think it's over. I think it, he's past Burrow and he's past Lamar, and now it's on to when can CJ Stroud start to approach the God of God tiers and dynasty. Yeah, I mean the the Bengals had not given up thirty points in a game this year. CJ Stroud is the first doing it with that receiving core without Nico Collins on the road. It just doesn't get any better than that because it's not like the the Bengals have played terrible offenses all year. So yeah, CJ Stroud looks like, I mean, I, I think you could say he's playing at a top three quarterback level right now as a rookie with this supporting cast. <laughs> think about what you just said. Everybody go to their podcast app, their YouTube player, go back 60 seconds. I would ask you to do this. Just go back 60 seconds. Just re-listen to everything Josh said. As soon as I finish talking, you don't need to hear me. Listen to Josh. Okay? So now what we're going to do is we're going to, for every truly great game, we're going to go to more of a blowout game, but a blowout game with some interesting positions. I'll start with the Titans Buccaneers. Okay? Uh, Will Levis. Uh, mm, Will Levis had the fakest debut in NFL history. I think the real Will Levis is standing up and 200 yards, no touchdowns and one interception, five fantasy points is more of what Will Levis showed at Kentucky than his first year in the league. 
and that's bad for DeAndre Hopkins. He got the eight targets, but I went on your show and I, I talked about why I'm bullish on DeAndre Hopkins. And as it turns out, no, like you, you basically had the position that, Hey, until this offense proves they're going to throw the ball more, I'm not going to extrapolate DeAndre Hopkins based on one game with Will Levis. I'm not doing it. I unfortunately was more bullish after that one game. I was, I was, falling into an extrapolation trap, and I apologize to everybody, including my family, for that. I don't <laughs> apologize for Rashad White, though. Rashad White looks like a bell cow. Rashad White looks like a key piece of any zero RB team, which he was. It's like, we went as far as building teams around Rashad White, and look up, Rashad White is the RB8 in fantasy, and our most viral TikTok video was an individual that came on this show named R.C. Fisher, and he claimed that Rashad White was more talented because he's a better receiver than B. John Robinson. And as it turns out, at this very moment in time, Rashad White is leading B. John Robinson by like 0.8 fantasy points overall on the season. So as of this moment, R.C. Fisher has been vindicated. Yeah, what I'll add to uh, the the Buccaneers is my takeaway from this one was I, I agree with all that you said. I, I talked I actually had this viral Twitter thread about Will Levis after his debut, where I basically just kind of showed why uh, the the stat line was ridiculously misleading based on the stats, the film, combining it. But uh, if we look at the Buccaneers side, I think Baker Mayfield looks like one of the better quarterbacks to have in your streamer rotation. I've talked about this a lot this year that. Outside of those top few quarterback options, you really want to be rotating and carry two quarterbacks this year. It's felt more matchup specific than ever before with fantasy points. Baker Mayfield now has at least 16 fantasy points in seven of nine games. This is this is just usable. He's had 19 or more the last three games. They're, they're letting him pass a lot. He's actually shown a little bit of mobility at times when he needs to. And as we said, that this trio of Rashad White, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, that's a very, very good trio. They have no depth. There's nobody after that. But just having those three with Baker Mayfield in an offensive line that is uh, functional, Baker Mayfield can be started in these good matchups. Like with the the Titans, when you go, oh, that's a that's a pass funnel defense. They just traded away one of their best safeties three weeks ago. Target them. Saints, Vikings. We can all sort of uh, celebrate Ty Chandler. I'm I'm going to be careful because I have been a. a raging Alexander Madison fader over the last three or four years. Uh, never wanted anything to do with him. Had him on my top four players to fade in preseason. Have been bullish on Ty Chandler as an all-purpose back with size and speed and pass-catching ability. And it's like, hey, I don't care he was drafted in the fifth round. That's also where Puka Nakua was drafted, by the way. And if you know anything about Ty Chandler at North Carolina... He has an all-purpose skill set, and on any given touch, he's more of a threat to score a touchdown than Alexander Madison. So this is this is the running back to draft in that Vikings backfield. And now by week ten, the cream has risen to the top. It's unfortunate though that it came with a concussion, right? So we don't celebrate injuries, no victory lapping injuries. Unfortunately, it was a concussion that knocked Alexander Madison out. It's great to see Roshan Johnson finally getting back and getting targets after being concussed. So I wish him all the best. Alexander Madison, all the best, right? There there was a little window where you could even look yourself in the mirror and, and buy low on Alexander Madison. I, I don't care. I, I'd buy low on uh, 
Damian Pierce, right? Anyone that bought low on Damian Pierce had to absolutely hate what they saw from Devin Singletary. I mean, the the people that are the most furious are those that bought low on Damian Pierce waiting for that game and then for him to not play and for Devin Singletary to pop off for over 20 fantasy points, but a uh, little, 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 just a little victory shake, not a victory lap, a little victory shake for Ty Chandler. Well, what I'll add to Ty Chandler is that Alexander Madison has a concussion. We've seen that every single uh, offensive player not named Brock Purdy has missed the next game with a concussion. And then we start to look at the schedule and we start to salivate because tonight, Monday night football, we get the Broncos and the Bills. The Broncos are arguably the worst run defense in the NFL. And then we look at week 11, Matt, week 11, Mm. the Vikings and the Broncos play. So we're going to get the worst run defense in the NFL coming off of a short week because they play on Monday night football with Ty Chandler as the feature back. I kind of think that this is the the greatest one week rental at least that that we've seen in many ways this year. And then on top of that, if he has a big game, Alexander Madison uh, has yet to score a rushing touchdown on, uh, I believe it's now 10 red zone and eight goal line carries on the season. He he has yet to score a touchdown on on the ground. He's dropped many passes. His 67% catch rate this year is well below the NFL average for running backs of 78%. And it's Madison's fault because he's been dropping passes. I think if Chandler has a big week 11, which I think is very much in his range of outcomes, given the the matchup and that we think Chandler's kind of good at football, we, we might see the changing of the guard happening right now. Buy high on Ty Chandler. Buy high, buy high, buy high, buy high. Also, uh, if you sold low on Michael Thomas, congratulations. Michael Thomas is dust, right? Anyone that talked themselves into Michael Thomas this offseason, shame on you. Uh, For a lot of the same reasons, I wasn't uh, interested in Calvin Ridley, wasn't interested in Michael Thomas. I need to see someone show their form before I buy them based on what that form was. And Michael Thomas was never going to happen. He took way too much time off. He was a, a basically a, a diminished figure based on that injury. The, if you have enough foot and ankle injuries, you can ask Julio Jones. You can ask Calvin Johnson. You're just not the same player. Uh, and at one point, we've been talking about when does A.T. Perry move ahead of Michael Thomas in Dynasty, and uh, well, he he certainly outproduced him. A little At Perry signing and sighting, eleven fantasy points with a touchdown. Love to see it. At Perry, just a quality receiver, uh, a receiver that when you get drafted in that zone of day three, typically there's a lot of special teams wide receivers that go in that zone. So when a when a pure receiver or a, a wide receiver only uh, with, with that particular skill set goes that 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 is a little bit more of a signal that, hey, the NFL likes this guy, Puka Nakua, similar draft capital to A.T. Perry. So A.T. Perry is only going up from here in Dynasty. Same with Olave. Olave's a great fit with Jameis Winston. We talked about this the first time that Derek Carr went down, that Winston's always been the better quarterback for Chris Olave and then showed it on Sunday, right? You look at the look at the the, the splits, of, o- of Olave with Winston versus Olave with Carr. See, he had 94 total yards. 79 of those yards in the touchdown were with Winston. That should not be a surprise. Uh, it's just whether Carr is healthy or not, Winston is a, a better skill match for Olave. So Olave could be one, one of these guys that pays off in the second half at his uh, 
you know, late second, early third uh, draft capital. He was going after Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson still gets there every week, right? Garrett Wilson is the embodiment of the Tom Savage corollary. I mean, I've never had since DeAndre Hopkins five years ago in Houston, we haven't had a wide receiver do this, get there solely based on target volume as the undisputed alpha, regardless of who the quarterback is. And so you, you love to see when you have a rule of thumb that you you is, is one of your North stars in fantasy football to have a guy embody that and improve it. So we okay, we have we have another proof point from the at least the last five years, right? Every time you you don't see a guy come around for five years, you're like, wait, is this really a rule that we should be following? And then oh, okay, yes, okay, Garrett Wilson reproving the rule. You love to see it. Next game. What game do you want to talk about now? I'll just uh, quickly drop a Viking stat. Uh, Josh Dobbs since week two is the QB seven in fantasy points per game with over 20. Speaking of Josh Dobbs, it was CJ Stroud at the beginning of the season. That's what late round quarterback drafters, that's what they were snagging, right? Then quickly, once Stroud was no longer in the free agent pool, scooping Sam Howell, right? Sam Howell was a streamer du jour for weeks and weeks and then everyone looks up and goes wait if he's just getting me 300 yards every week should i just start him and not think about streaming anymore i think i have my starter now and is that guy dobbs is he soon to be the next sam howell well i certainly think so we we've now seen two really good fantasy performances with the vikings and he gets justin jefferson back next week i I don't know how else to say it other than the guy is producing mongo fantasy points and then you give him one of the the three best offensive skill players in the nfl i i i don't see how he does any worse okay rest of season you got baker mayfield you got sam howell you got josh dobbs of those three who would you take i'll take josh dobbs second in rushing behind only lamar yes yes josh yes uh, yeah just give me josh dobbs a uh, great supporting cast and he's the most mobile of the bunch I I like my quarterbacks intelligent. I like when they work at NASA and I like when they play with these incredible supporting casts and with good play calling, which the Vikings have all of that. So yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll take Josh Dobbs. Too easy, dude. Too easy. Too easy. It's just too streaming Josh Dobbs. Too easy. Okay, now now let's go to a, a close game. Shootout-ish. Falcons-Cardinals. Okay. What do you got for me? Uh, well, I think everyone out there knows Kyler Murray looks back, so we won't talk about how fast he is, how he looks back. Congrats on the ACL recovery timetable improvements. I'm gonna just going to talk about the Atlanta quarterback room. This looks like the biggest act of negligence this offseason. I could not believe looking at this roster and then seeing the quarterback room. (laughs) Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter against the Cardinals defense combined. The quarterback Harrison for under 100 passing yards. Uh, This is why I I was not drafting a single uh, shred of Drake London this offseason. As I looked at the quarterback room, I looked at them taking a running back at eighth overall. And I thought, you know what? Uh, this is a team that simply doesn't trust their pass attack and is going to try and win in the modern NFL with a quality defense and a quality run game and a quality offensive line. The Falcons are now four and six. When you look at the teams they're beating, oh. they're beating bad teams. 
I think it's official at this point because early in the in the season, people were like, "Come on, guys! Arthur Smith is winning, though. He is winning. I don't care if it's bad opponents. He's winning. They're now four mm. and six. If the, if this team had traded for Matthew Stafford this off season, oh, I, I think they'd be at eight wins. It's unbelievable what what is going on right now. The the underrated supporting cast in the NFL with Cardinals, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why we said, so got to get Murray, got to get Murray. You trade for him before there's even a, a timeline for him to come back. And everybody's top trade target the last couple of weeks has been Marquise Brown. So this is interesting that Marquise Brown, one for four, 28 yards, no touchdowns. The theory was Kyler Murray returns. He has his, his you know, primary target on lock. And then actually it turns out the primary target was Trey McBride, right? So this this was a real this was a real bad week for for a lot of uh buy low shoppers on a Damian Pierce, on a Marquise Brown, a lot of failed buy lows. You still buying on, on Marquise Brown? You think this is now this is the week? So now that we have a week in the bank of Murray not targeting Brown, now this is the week to trade for him? Or are we just trying to Focus on Michael Wilson and Trey McBride, the really good players that are getting, what, 15 targets between them? I'll give Marquise Brown another chance. We we see receivers all the time have bad games when we think they're going to have good games. That's right. Obviously, we, we would have preferred if Marquise Brown had a good game overall, but I, I think the, the buy window is still open. Prior to this week, he was averaging nine targets and 99 air yards a game over his last eight games. I, I want to buy into a guy that's getting a lot of targets down the field and now has Kyler Murray back. So being that Kyler Murray looked back, I think that's what we should focus on rather than a one game Hollywood Brown sample. Get Hollywood. Buy window still wide open and maybe this is the best time to get him. So go get him. Do it. Another blowout. Cowboys 49-17. As we discussed earlier, there's not a lot of hope for Tony Pollard. He was outproduced by Rico Doddle on fewer carries. Doddle got the touchdown. Yeah. What? No targets? No targets for Tony Pollard? Everything that I was sold, Tony Pollard, I'm getting in Rashad White. And uh, Rico Doddle's now outplaying him. Something is not right. I don't believe that Tony Pollard is 100%. I don't believe it, but he's in a contract year. I believe they they franchise tagged him and he was the one that actually just signed the franchise tag. So yep. he's playing for his career right now. He's not going to go on IR if there's something wrong with him. He's not going to sit out, but he does not look explosive. Uh, and, you know, I think the talking point for all of NFL media is around CeeDee Lamb breaking the record. The first player in NFL history to have 10 plus receptions and 150 plus yards in three straight games. So CeeDee Lamb joining the God tier of wide receivers, right? Yeah, I, I think at this point, I, I think we can confidently say CeeDee Lamb looks like a, a slightly older version of the, the Jefferson Chase type idea of this is a guy where uh, if you give him even reasonable quarterback play, it doesn't really matter who the supporting cast is, that this guy will find a way to be the, the top producer by quite a bit. So I'm, I'm very, very in on CeeDee Lamb. It was... It was a little bit of a rough start, and uh, I think that's what we have to remember with receivers. They go through few-game rough patches, and uh, I, I think here's an interesting one. 
Would you rather have CeeDee Lamb or AJ Brown in Dynasty, given what we've seen this year? Because I actually don't have a, a confident answer to that one. I think that one of the great debates for the Dynasty offseason is going to be AJ Brown versus CeeDee Lamb versus Amon Ross St. Brown. Ah, uh, that's a good one. I think that those three have been in a tier together moving up. Like it's 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 like the Tour de France, right? You where you have Chase and Jefferson out in the lead, and then you have the the Peloton that is behind them constantly gaining ground. Like that is the Peloton tier of the wide mm-hmm. receivers in Dynasty. It's great. It's great. And also this game proved that no matter how good you are as a, a running back, if you don't have a quarterback and you have some of the most negative game scripts possible, you're going to put up five fantasy points. Like that, mm-hmm. that is what you're going to do. Like you have a 10 point fantasy ceiling, even if you're the most talented running back in the league, if you have that kind of headwind, it's just not possible to score fantasy points. And between Pollard and Barkley, they combined for negative five receiving yards on Sunday. It's impressive. Yeah, I, when <laughs> right when uh, Tommy DeVito became the starter and I saw that Daniel Jones was out for the year and that Tyrod Taylor might not return this season, I told everyone out there, I said, time to drop Giants players not named Saquon. You could just drop Darren Waller. I don't really care about any of these guys. And I said, with Saquon, you trade him away immediately. I said, immediately. I know you're thinking you're getting a lot less than you, you quote unquote deserve. And I said, trust me, trust me, trust me. He's playing the Cowboys this week. It's going to get worse. And uh, I think anyone out there with Saquon Barkley who did not orchestrate a trade away, I, I think you're uh, you're filled with regret. So I helped a lot of people out there orchestrate these trades. I was looking at a lot of rosters to help people. And I said, this is the week to trade him away. Just trust me, trade him away. Do not think of him as Saquon Barkley. Think of him as the guy that's going to line up in the backfield behind, living at home with his parents, getting his bed made by his mom, Tommy DeVito. We do not like this. Now, there's there's some 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 easy uh, sell lows out there, and Barkley was one of the easiest, almost as easy as the uh, the Michael Pittman buy low, right? Now, mm-hmm. Washington at Seattle, another great game, shootout over 50 points scored between these two teams. The two leading receivers on Washington were both running backs, which is hard to do. It's hard to do, especially if you're going to score 26 points. So I would love to know if there has ever been a a team scoring 25 or more points with two running backs as their top receivers. I don't know if that's ever been done in the history of the NFL. That's not a stat I even know how to find, but it would be interesting. And my one big takeaway from this game, there's so much going on in this game, right? Kenneth Walker, 20 fantasy points. Lockett, Metcalf, 40 fantasy points between them. Even Jackson Smith and Jigba, efficient. Right, if he's either he's he's either giving you a touchdown or he's been efficient. There's always been something every week to keep us right, keep us pulled in to Jackson Smith and Jigba. We keep us from walking away. But the guy that you know, I just find to be just uh, you know bizarrely ranked on so many dynasty services for now over a year has been Jahan Dotson. I never understood the fascination with Jahan Dotson. Never get, because here's the thing: dynasty gamers are quick to marginalize players that they realize don't have the ceiling to help their fantasy team. And once they pass the AJ Pex, they're just like that guy has no value. 
Like, I wouldn't give you a fourth rounder for that guy, right? And that mode of operating is typically optimal, right? That way you're not ever overpaying for players that essentially can't help you win a championship but can help you get a worse draft pick. So I understand why that mentality is so popular and more people are adopting that mentality every year in Dynasty, and I applaud that. But there is this this follow-on result of that, which is suboptimal, which is if you are going to say that Curtis Samuel is a zero, what then it leads you, the logical next step, the logic ladder then leads you to believe that Jahan Dotson's more valuable than he is. Where the problem is, even if you're not willing to give up a fourth rounder for Curtis Samuel, that's fine. But know that Curtis Samuel has already proven himself to be a better receiver than most receivers in the league. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's had multiple like top 20 fantasy seasons in Carolina, getting it done in completely different ways, getting it done with like a, a, a five yards per target of target depth. And with like 15 yards of target depth, right? He's been used as a downfield only weapon and a weapon that's only used in and around the line of scrimmage. He's super versatile and he's reliable and explosive. And he's a player that every coach is going to want to try to get on the field and try to get the ball in his hands. Even if we know there's no way in hell he's going to help your fantasy team win a dynasty championship. But that guy is still... A, a relatively high bar for someone like Jahan Dotson to come in and outplay and marginalize. And that's what's forgotten in the rush to get the next guy in the passing game, which is Jahan Dotson, and forget about all these guys that we've written off. So I, I was looking at receiving yards per game this year. Robert Woods, one fewer receiving yard per game this year than Jahan Dotson. Tyler Conklin, four more. We, we don't really love starting Tyler Conklin each week in fantasy football, and he plays tight end. Jahan Dotson's been worse by a lot of metrics. So if uh, Dotson's kind of a fringe, maybe you can start him fantasy tight end, and then you're legally required to play him in the wide receiver slot. I do not like that. I, I said a few weeks ago, I think you should just drop Jahan Dotson and redraft. I, I still feel like that uh, feels like the sell low in Dynasty, where at least he was taken in round one of last year's draft. And at least he scored a lot of touchdowns last year. There, there is really nothing to get excited about this year. The, the fact that he is not producing because of Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel, we should be very concerned. Don't forget about Brian Robinson. Don't forget about Brian. Brian Robinson looked like LaDainian Tomlinson. Six for six for 120 yards and a touchdown. Who is this guy? Yeah. Last year, he had 60 receiving yards. Uh, he, he doubled that uh, yesterday. Did he, did he stumble on like an asteroid that had like a, some sort of a you know, radioactive material that turned his, <laughs> turned him into his most explosive run? It's amazing. I don't want to be insensitive, but I think not getting shot uh, during the preseason might have helped too. Right. Yeah. He either stumbled upon an asteroid with a, some sort of cosmic matter that has t- turned him into something you know, superhero like, or he just didn't get shot. One or the other. Now, Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker. Let's compare these two running backs. Where are you with these two guys in all formats? Let's just discuss. Yeah, I'd, I'd sell both of them. 
I, I'm not a Kenneth Walker guy. I was a Charbonnet guy, and just based on cost. I'm no longer really that much of a Charbonnet guy. Hey, that's a win. That's a win. Yeah. Yeah, I know you put in the show sheet, you were like, is this the fake get right game for Geno? I think this was just the fake get right game for Kenneth Walker as well. This is a commander's defense that was horrible all season and then traded away their two best players on the defensive line. Yeah, but, but you agree, though, it's a fake get right game for Geno Smith, too. This is this is your sell window for Geno Smith, everybody. Yeah, I think what we learned is that you can continue to stream anyone and everyone against the commanders. I I was like, guys, I, I think I'm playing some Jackson Smith and Jigba this week. I'm definitely playing Kenneth Walker. I'm playing Metcalf, playing Lockett, and I had Geno as a top 10 fantasy quarterback this week. And I simply said, it's the commanders. I, I really don't care what this guy looks like as long as it's not like a, a Tommy DeVito. We are just going to be hammering the the streaming options against this commander's defense. So not a high scoring game, but a good game. Packers lose again. Steelers win again, right? So the Steelers are that team, right? They're, they're this year's Vikings. They're, they're going to have a negative point differential and, and have a, 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 an impressive record. So they are the luckiest team in the NFL. And I'm just heartened by the performance of Jaden Reed. I love that he was not the target leader. He was not even the, the second uh, target commander. That was Eric, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, six targets, 20 yards. Woof. Right? Aaron Jones, 13 <laughs> carries, 35 yards. Woof. So if you thought Aaron Jones was the bell cow in Green Bay, actually, uh, you're, you're a sucker. You're a sucker. But I've been saying all year, the best receiver is Jaden Reed. And it's not even that close. Right? When Christian Watson was out. Now Christian Watson's back. And he's putting up two catches, 33 yards. What? Like, this is one of the great busts in fantasy football. He was a locked-in fourth-round mm-hmm. pick. And it's hard for me to remember. Well, actually, it's easy for me to remember. Darnell Mooney from last year, right? Darnell Mooney last season was a fourth-round pick. And he was a total bust. This is giving me... Darnell Mooney fourth round vibes from last year and Christian Watson had a good month but a good month is not enough to draft a guy in the fourth round that's a very simple analysis that I gave all summer and yet now we're seeing it where it's like hey I'm just gonna wait till the end of the draft and take Jaden Reed and see what happens and then Jaden Reed's been churned and and but hey in deeper leagues continue continue to stash Jaden Reed He is the best receiver on this team. And for him to have one of these exquisite performances where he's five for five, puts up close to 100 yards, gets the touchdown in spite of Jordan Love, that's that's just a window into what we're talking about. Now, is he like a true alpha receiver? No, he's like a lot of the receivers in this class. He's like Josh Downs and a lot of these guys. They're high-end betas. That's what Jaden Reed is because there's no alpha on this team. Christian Watson wants to be one. But he's fake, right? At least we know what Jaden Reed is. A high-end beta. He's going to have these kinds of performances moving forward. I like him. They're going to build around him. Maybe Watson, just the, the injuries have piled up and he just he, he false start on the season and hasn't been able to get back online. That's understandable. But there's a few key pieces to build around on this offense. One of them is Jaden Reed. One of them is Luke Musgrave. They were the two leading receivers, and the rest of this offense can be just 
shed in the offseason as they have to retool and rebuild this entire roster from the studs up. They thought, hey, we're going to go into the season with all 23-year-old skill position players. Well, that's fine if they're all good. Most of them aren't, actually. Romeo Dobbs is bad, but you do have some good ones to build around. There is a nucleus to build around, but how Aaron Jones is still a Packer, given that this team is in rebuild mode, is, is again, malpractice by the front office in Green Bay. Yeah, I'll take a victory lap and then the opposite. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and victory lap not liking Christian Watson. We talked before about how CJ Stroud looks like the talent elevator, like a Mahomes, like an Aaron Rodgers. And that's kind of what I was starting to think. I was like, you know what? Uh, the the drop-off from Aaron Rodgers with Christian Watson to Jordan Love is pretty terrifying. I will un-victory lap. I will take the opposite all offseason, I said my favorite late-round quarterback is Kenny Pickett. I liked that he had some mobility. I liked his supporting cast. I liked that the Steelers always seem to have competent products on the field. But I will take the L. Kenny Pickett, useless. Mm. Useless in fantasy football. He's useless. He hasn't reached 20 fantasy Awful. points in a single game. He started Awful. 21 NFL games. Terrible. It reminds me why college production early matters for quarterbacks Pickett did nothing his first four years he gets a great supporting cast in year five he has a great offensive line so much time to throw he's older than his competition then he succeeds you want to know who is a better fantasy asset than kenny pickett through their first two seasons zach wilson oh god what zach wilson had multiple 20 fantasy point games as a rookie and in year two no kenny pickett at this point still through 21 starts through two years has yet to reach 20 fantasy points in best ball, you would have rather had the first two seasons of Zach Wilson than the first two years of Kenny Pickett. Shame. Despite Kenny Pickett potentially having a better supporting cast and better coaching staff, I cannot believe that I'm saying it. Kenny Smallhands, certifiably a worse fantasy asset at this point from what we've seen than Zach Wilson. Oh, oh, that's a great takeaway. And I, I'm with you, man. We, we were fading Christian Watson, and I was buying Kenny Pickett. Uh, Kenneth Pickett Sr. He's no longer Kenneth Pickett Sr. He's now Kenny Pickett Jr. He is Kenny Pickett Jr. That's all he is. It's, he's not what I sold him to be. A lot of other guys are. Sam Howell is. A lot of guys are what I... <laughs> Gardner Minshew is. Everyone is getting what we thought we might get from Kenny Pickett. From all these other streaming quarterbacks, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What is what is the anti-victory lap? We need a word for that. The shame walk? Yeah, that's what I... I, I preferred Kenny Pickett to CJ Stroud as a late-round quarterback this year. Sure. Obviously, we preferred Stroud in Dynasty, but in redraft, I was like, guys, why would you wait a little extra time to take a Stroud when you can just take the Pickett? And oh boy, that might be oh. the worst take of my, that might be my worst offseason take was uh, Pickett over Stroud. And I didn't think, <sighs> I really didn't see myself getting burned by it. Shame walk, dude. Oh, God damn us. You know what? We can't be right 100%. <laughs> that doesn't exist. Fallibility. Admit fallibility. Very important. Anyone that doesn't admit fallibility is a fraud. Great game. Great game coming up. Ready for this game? Ready for this game? Browns, Ravens. I watched this game with my daughter. Oh, my God. So good. So good. So good. Yo, I think we'll we'll start off. Uh, I'm going to talk about David Njoku. 
I, I know the player profile audience has been Njoku truthers throughout. It's been rough at many times, but what we're seeing right now is uh, thank you to PJ Walker. Thank you to Deshaun Watson. A lot of the times this pass game looks most effective is when they're manufacturing line of scrimmage touches, little, little, little swing passes to Mr. Njoku. The target share has been at least 21% each of the past four weeks. Double-digit fantasy points each of those past four weeks. He's had at least seven targets in five of his last six games. The past four games, he's had 10 red zone targets and four end zone targets. Everyone out there is trading for Dalton Kincaid, Trey McBride, and Redraft, Dynasty. Those are the, the sexy new names, and I agree. You should be trading for them. Let's buy high. Let's buy high on Kincaid, on McBride at this point. But I think we should also, if you want a consolation prize, who's a lot cheaper, David Njoku is suitable. When we look at the fantasy playoffs, weeks 15, 16, 17, he gets the Bears, then the Texans, then the Jets. Bears and Texans are top four fantasy matchups for tight ends. And then the Jets are the 16th best tight end matchup. You might be like, Josh, that sounds like a strange thing to get excited about. And then you realize that the Jets are not the 16th best matchup for tight ends. They are the 32nd, the worst wide receiver matchup. What do we have here? We have a, uh, I'm going to coin the term, a tight end funnel fantasy defense for week 17 with the Jets as well. We love David Njoku's schedule. We love that Deshaun Watson does not look like the guy that he was with the Texans. Turns out when you're a bad person off the field, I'm convinced he's harboring guilt. He's a terrible person. He's harboring guilt. The No, he doesn't. He has no guilt. He's harboring what he's been harboring all along, which just doesn't have the receivers to, uh, to, to conceal it. He's harboring a weak throwing arm. He had one of the weakest throwing arms in the history of the player profiler database coming out of Clemson. It was him and Tyrod Taylor. And as it turns out, he doesn't have a a strong throwing arm. He doesn't even have a a throwing motion that resembles a top-tier NFL quarterback at all. He looks like he's shot putting the ball out there. And, you know, I, I, I think that that's what's happening. I think that he's being exposed without Will Fuller and without DeAndre Hopkins He's been exposed as a, a premium Tyrod Taylor. That's what he looks like. And, and that's what, week in, week out, that's what the stat lines reflect. Jerome Ford is you know, a waiver wire hero. Uh, you're going to be happy that instead of uh, you know, going all in on Puka Nakua, you saved your powder and you, you waited a week. And then you went all in on Jerome Ford. Anyone that followed that process is going to be very happy by the end of the season. Jerome Ford's much more of a league winner than Puka Nakua. Kareem Hunt is dust. He's operating purely now as a touchdown vulture, getting no targets. That can't continue for the rest of the season. That means we're going to see Pierre Strong. Keep Pierre Strong stashed. And be careful, be very careful, selling high on Keaton Mitchell. He outtouched Justice Hill. And all that's in front of him is Gus Edwards now on, on a high-octane offense, a super-efficient offense, and he has explosive breakaway speed. So I would go as far as saying, please don't sell high on Keaton Mitchell. If you have him, enjoy him. It can get better from here. Just remember that. It can get better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know how I stand on these situations. We're generally selling low, not selling high, because generally... When people say, oh, it's a it's a sell high, well, maybe not so much because then the next week they're like, well, it's still a sell high. Oh, it's a sell higher. It's a sell higher. And you might as well have just uh, kept those fantasy points and just kept the the rising asset. I want guys where 
I think of it as like a small miss, big hit. What what the what the heck are you getting for Keaton Mitchell right now? No. If if he busts, you're not getting much. But uh, it's a it could be a pretty big hit depending on what he does. I I don't think any of us out there think Gus Edwards is insurmountable. Mm-hmm. I think all of us out there would agree Lamar Jackson is good for running back efficiency. And the fact that we we now have another J.K. Dobbins level uh, speedster in this backfield with Keaton Mitchell. Dobbins was over always hyper efficient with Lamar and we Keen Mitchell's not as good. He's a lot smaller, but the idea that you can have speed, speed kills. And in this Lamar Jackson offense, I'm very excited about uh, Keaton Mitchell. Oh yeah, he should be a 49ers Jaguars. Travis Etienne has finally met his match with a defense to finally prevent him from getting to 15 fantasy points. Finally, someone did it. Uh, and then as most teams do, uh, prevented Calvin Ridley from getting to five fantasy points. That's not that's not difficult at all. <laughs> and McCaffrey always finds a way, even in games where he doesn't score a touchdown, still get you twenty fantasy points. This was this was an interesting game. And my only takeaway is if you were running out and, and putting money down on the Jaguars to make the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. You're thinking, oh, okay, these are long odds. This is this is this team has one of the best records. This team is rolling. They've beaten Indianapolis, close game. Buffalo, great game, close game, great game. Indianapolis, another close game. New Orleans, close game. Pittsburgh, close game. Okay, so they have one quality win, and they have a bunch of losses to Kansas City, San Francisco, Houston. Matt, I don't actually think the Bills was a great win because. Oh. For the first time in NFL history, the Jaguars spent two weeks in London. So they had already acclimated to the time <gasps> difference. The Bills come over a couple <gasps> days before. That was the game where I, I was predicting the upset. The Bills were only five and a half point favorites. And a lot of people were like, oh my God, we have to slam the Bills. And I was like, let's let's calm down for a second. As someone who has traveled to Europe before, oh boy, is that time difference and that plane flight killer. You get off the plane flight, the last thing you want to do is participate in athletic competition. I think anyone that's ever done a big flight with a time difference, the last thing they want to do is athletically compete within a couple days of that flight. And that is what the Bills had to do to a Jags team that had been in London for two weeks. So I, I'm not going to say it was a bad win. It was it was a solid win, but I think even that comes with a little bit of that asterisk because of the London two week for the first time ever. This is an asterisk team. This is an, and, and the, the conventional wisdom that, I mean, this is, this is the, absolute consensus we're talking about 10,000 to 10,000 people agreed Jaguars best team in the AFC South now not so much not so much be careful be careful be careful we could get two teams from the AFC South in the playoffs that's cool haven't seen that in a while we have one more game to talk about Detroit at Los Angeles this was the game this is the game for all time talk about this game so I, I think the, the biggest takeaway I have from this one is that Jameer Gibbs has arrived. We I think we were all kind of Gibbs enthusiasts. It, it didn't look great at times. I myself uh, even wavered at one point where I said, you know what? I think Gibbs is either a hold or a slight sell in redraft because we had, first we had that 28-0 halftime debacle where they're trailing to the Ravens. He's not playing with Montgomery and then he gets 10 targets. And then the next week they play a Raiders team where after that game, they fire their head coach, their GM, their offensive coordinator, and they bench their quarterback. But now we saw even with Montgomery back, 
uh, Gibbs outcarried Montgomery 14-12. He outsnapped him 37-24. He ran 21 routes to Montgomery's 10. He had five targets to Montgomery's zero. Gibbs had three goal line carries. Montgomery had two. I I have I, I like to say that I, I try to adjust quickly. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I've I've switched. Apologies to anyone out there who sold Gibbs at the time I told them to. I was not saying to sell him low. I had him actually in the same tier as like the the Devon A. Chan, David Montgomery's. But I said, you know what? He looks like if anyone was going to fall out of this tier, it might be Gibbs. I was wrong. I, I think now we should look at selling Montgomery. I love that he had 12 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown and outproduced Gibbs because the usage so greatly favored Gibbs over Montgomery. Josh has frozen again, and but he he just before he froze, he, he got the full takeout, which was great. This game mattered so much more for Jameer Gibbs and projecting his value moving forward. That's why you're going to see a giant leap for Jameer Gibbs in the player profile or dynasty rankings after this game because this is a game where, okay, he's sharing a field with David Montgomery. Prove that you're going to get the touches, the high-value touches, when you're sharing a field with David Montgomery. So this game was everything for the Jameer Gibbs valuation. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, he is the sun god. He is joining that god tier. He's in that peloton with A.J. Brown and CeeDee Lamb to catch the gods. And I just, it my takeaway, and you could probably guess what my takeaway is from this game, is that Jalen Guyton, 14 fantasy points, outproduced Quinton Johnston. Quinton Johnston had 34 yards, but did get the touchdown. So he had the bailout touchdown. And even with the bailout touchdown, right? You're like, oh, well. You know, this this idea that the podfather keeps saying, watch out for Jalen Guyton, right? Yeah, yeah, right. You know, don't don't worry. This this week, Quentin Johnson's gonna get a touchdown and you're gonna have to eat it, Podfather. <laughs> it turns out, guess what? Oh, Jalen Guyton got the touchdown too! Jalen Guyton now produced Quentin Johnson! Everybody that likes Quentin Johnson can eat it. It turns out, guess what? Oh, Jalen Guyton got the touchdown too! Jalen Guyton now produced Quentin Johnson! Everybody that likes Quentin Johnson can eat it! Tell us in the chat, is there a good word for the anti-victory lap? Because we need it. Is is, is is it the shame? Something shame? What do you call it with the, with the, with the, with the, they're, they're ringing the bells in, the, in Game of Thrones, shame, and they're throwing vegetables at us? The shame walk? Matt, I don't actually think the Bills was a great win. I, I think I think it's now a question of Jonathan Taylor. I think he's the sneaky league winner. Those are the bad games, Josh. But there are some really good games. I've got one more. Oh, there's one more. One, whoa, 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 excuse me. Uh, we were trying to get this out of the way. We want to clear the decks for the good games. Give us one more bad game we can get out of the way. You want to know who is a better fantasy asset than Kenny Pickett through their first two seasons? Zach Wilson. Oh, God, what? With Nathaniel Dell, who's 5'5 in heels. 
with Robert Woods. Like what? Right? Some of the dustiest and and and, and slowest and smallest players that are on the field. I don't want to be insensitive, but I think not getting shot uh, during the preseason might have helped too. Yeah, he either stumbled upon an asteroid with a, some sort of cosmic matter that has t- turned him into something you know, superhero-like, or he just didn't get shot. I don't actually think the Bills was a great win. Be careful. Be careful. We could get two teams from the AFC South in the playoffs. That's cool. I haven't seen that in a while. You look frozen, Josh. Yeah, Matt, my setup is uh, not liking me right now. Josh is frozen. Look at this. Josh was was trying to think which team's better, which team has a better chance of winning the Super Bowl, the Jaguars or the Texans, and it broke him. That question broke him. Your mic is not currently working properly, but that's okay. Maybe if you can uh, reconfigure it. Yeah, Matt, my setup is uh, not liking me right now. 